Hello and welcome to the Paranormal Guys podcast. I'm your host, Kieran. Thank you for joining. In this episode, I'm going to be taking you back to a time when I was a young investigator, full of excitement for the field and full of passion to find that one piece of evidence which would prove everybody wrong and prove the existence of the paranormal. And there was one location that I always wanted to investigate that I thought would be the one place that I'd be able to find, and that would be the ancient ramen. I'm going to take you back to when I first investigated that location with our sister group at the time, Cornish Paranormal Group, and this would be with my group, Torchlight Paranormal Investigations. As a paranormal investigator, there's always one location which is the Holy Grail, one location that you would love to investigate, to try and find that one piece of evidence that could prove the existence of the paranormal. For me, as someone who had a strong passion for the paranormal, this would have to have been the ancient Ramen, a location steeped in history, paranormal tales, experiences that defied belief. In November of 2011, I was lucky enough to take my team, Torchlight Paranormal Investigations, along to the ancient Ramen to conduct a paranormal investigation into the supposed hauntings that were taking place there. In Wooten Underedge, a market town in the lush green countryside of Gloucestershire, the ancient Ramen sits on a winding country road that leads to the centre of town. As soon as you turn the corner, you are greeted with a decrepit building adorning a faded sign painted on the side, which reads the Ram Inn 10th century. As you pass the window of the building, you are greeted with yellowy newspaper clippings telling tales of demons and shadowy figures that reside behind the buckling walls of the old inn. The dust-covered windows fail to provide you with a glimpse inside as you make your way around the building to a large open car park, which allows you to see the magnitude of the ancient structure in all of its glory. A small, flimsy white door is the only thing that stops you from entering supposedly one of the most haunted buildings in the UK. Our team arrived at the location around 5 o'clock in the evening to be greeted by a frail-looking Mr John Humphreys, owner of the wondrous building. He happily greeted us and bundled us into the cluttered kitchen, eager to tell us everything he could about the location and to show us around. We began our walk around of the building with him telling us a detailed but elaborate history of the location. He started by telling us a little bit about himself and his love for Christianity. He told us that he used to drive trains and had a very strong passion for them. He showed us pictures of the kind of trains that he would drive, pride oozing out of him. He was very quick to tell a group of complete strangers that his life had fallen apart around him because of the paranormal occurrences that happened in the Ram. He then began to regale us with the history of the building and the site the Ram was on. According to John, the site of the ancient Ramen supposedly sits on an ancient pagan burial ground and that there was, there was evidence of human sacrifice and the sacrifice of children. This, he says, accounts for a lot of the paranormal occurrences that happen within the walls of the building. He also stated that the Ram Inn sits on a crossing of ley lines that lead from London to Bath Abbey and even run under Stonehenge. He pointed out a large white cross that sits in his front garden, stating that this was the area where the ley lines crossed. He then led us into his living quarters, which consisted of a sofa which was used as a bed, a wicker futon with a flimsy cushion on it. The air of the room was thick because the electric heater that was blaring into the room to fight off the bitterly cold November air outside. The centrepiece of the room was a 50-inch plasma TV, which seemed very out of place in the rustic look of the living space. Covering the mustard-coloured walls of the room were newspaper clippings and magazine articles that all referenced the RAM. 
some dating as far back as the 80s. On his bedside table sat a small lamp and a very battered copy of the Holy Bible. On the bookshelf behind his bed, books of the supernatural and demons made up the majority of his collection. He ushered us all to sit down in the various areas of the room, some choosing the floor, some choosing the wicker sofa, all avoiding his bed, choosing to stand instead out of respect for the homeowner. He began to tell us about the experiences that he'd had in his room. He mentioned about hearing footsteps that would walk the length and breadth of the building above him, even hearing doors slamming around him. He then reminded us that I'm a Christian and I don't tell lies. I'm only a Christian I don't tell lies. And four times over the last two months lately, I've had the Incubus waking me up on that settee. And that is something as real and solid as that. An incubus, in mythological folklore, is a demonic entity in male form, which often lies with women. Its female counterpart is a succubus. We were unsure if he meant the male form or the female form. He pointed towards his bed and without conviction continued to tell us that he'd had the incubus in bed with him three times in the past two months wanting sex with him. This made everyone in the room who was standing take one step further away from the bed. We were then led through a dust-covered curtain into a little snug room that reminded me of a Turkish rumbas room. All that was missing was a hookah. There was another flimsy wooden door that would lead to the main bar area of the Bram. A large room full of trinkets and treasures that adorned the walls and the whole corner of the room was full of furniture and objects. A stuffed crow hung from the ceiling, swaying in the breeze, watching everybody as they entered the room. To the right of the door was a bench with comfy red cushions on it, surrounding a barrel. In the bottom left of the room by the door was the infamous ancient grave. In the centre of the room stood a barrel that was surrounded by the chairs and long benches. The fireplace was clustered with statues and even a large stuffed ram head. A ship's wheel was laying against the wall, and John said it was from the Mayflower itself. John took his place in front of us as if on stage and began to tell us the stories of the experiences that people had witnessed in this room. He drew our attention to the hole in the ground and told us that during renovations of the building they had found bones of a child in the grave along with a dagger and other sacrificial items. He said to us that if we were to dig to the grave, we would antagonize the spirits. Needless to say that nobody did this. He told us that a spirit of a child had been seen in this area and tried to make contact with several investigators. Underneath the fireplace, he continued, there was apparently a tunnel that ran from the ram to the church, which monks would use when they wanted to leave the abbey to come to the ram. The next stop was the barn area of the building a run-down room which was so chock-a-block of items and furniture that you could barely move. There was a very small path to follow through the debris that led to a large table surrounded by chairs. John managed to find a space and told us about the history of the room and experiences. He told us that the barn was the oldest part of the building and that there were several paranormal experiences being witnessed there. He told us that there had been some bodies buried underneath the barn and continued to show us some bones that he had in a small glass case that he seemed to bring out to show everybody who would listen. Of course there was no evidence to prove that these were in fact human bones. He told us that some investigators had reported seeing bodies hanging from the rafters of the barn which had frightened them so much that they fled the building. It's also said that the roof of the barn was converted from another building and that wasn't the original roof to the barn, so perhaps the spirits the people saw hanging from the barn weren't actually hung in this exact barn. He then went on to say that it was in the barn that most haunted investigated the location when one of the members was thrown to the ground by an invisible force. 
While it was a spooky part of the building, for me it was certainly not the most frightening. We then headed to the staircase. Creeping up the rustic old wooden stairs, our footsteps muffled by a worn and dusty beige flowery carpet that ran the length of the staircase. It was here that John told people, including newspapers, that he'd been thrown up the stairs by an invisible force. The walls of the staircase supported newspaper clippings of a spirit that had been captured in a photo, a white mist which John told us had even been seen by the naked eye. At the top of the stairs we were greeted with a face of yet another stuffed ram, its eyes piercing us as we climbed the stairs. To the right was a bedroom that he called the witcher's room. To the left was a landing that led to another bedroom and an attic area. Pictures of the surrounding area and a large grandfather clock filled the landing. He told us that people had seen a face in the glass of the grandfather clock. He would later work out that it would easily be from a reflection of people coming from the bishop's room. He then led us to the, to the aforementioned bishop's room, Britain's most haunted room. We walked down a small tight corridor that led to a dark wooden door, a face etched into the wood, its dark sunken eyes staring back at you. A black sign with gold calligraphy reading the bishop's room. John turned to us and said, There was a ritual that I have to perform before we have to enter. He picked up a shepherd's crook that was sitting by the door and began to bang on the weathered door with the crook creating a loud bang that emanated through the building. Where he banged on the door, it was clear he had done this several times before for many different visitors because there was markings on the door where he had banged the crook. He told us that if we wanted to take any pictures, as soon as we opened the door, we would surely catch a glimpse of a spirit, as people have caught flurries of orbs as soon as he opened the door. He pushed the door open and a cloud of dust exploded into the air. Clicks and flashes from cameras exploded into the room, all the pictures containing orbs, as John had mentioned. The room was dank, dark, sunlight barely peeking through the curtains. Two beds filled the room, each covered in moth-eaten blankets. Two armchairs faced into the room, and a bureau covered in statues and a dusty mirror sat in the corner of the room. In the top right-hand corner stood an old spinning wheel gathering dust. In the centerpiece of the room was a large fireplace that took up a majority of the wall. In front of the fireplace was a kneeling stool that looked very out of place in the room and would have been better suited in a church. He explained that this room was home to a cavalier that would appear to people by the window and that an old woman would appear in one of the armchairs. It's also said that investigators had been thrown on the beds by an invisible force. And when the building was used as a B&B, people would complain to him about someone trying to get into bed with them. John believes this to be the incubus. He continued to tell us that he had managed to find the hoof of the devil himself in the hole in the fireplace, as well as items used in black magic rituals. He showed us the, the aforementioned hoof. To us it appeared to be a horseshoe. As I knelt down in the kneeling stool, my knees creaking as I looked up into some of the brickwork missing in the fireplace. This is where the devil's footwear was found. We were then led upstairs to the attic area of the house, an extremely run-down room where we were only allowed to stay on one side of it. The stairs leading up to the attic was a handwritten sign stating that the stairs were very rickety and broken which made us all feel very nervous as we made our way up, each step filling us with more nerves. In the room which John told us was his daughter's bedroom was a sofa and a couple of creaky wooden chairs. He told us that this area was where people were made to feel very dizzy and nauseous and that there had been sightings of a man in the area in the room where the public were advised not to go due to the unstable and rotten floorboards. A dusty moth-ridden carpet adorned the floor and the floor creaked with every step. 
We later worked out as to why people would have felt dizzy in this area and this was due to the extremely high level of EMF or electromagnetic field given off by power cables that ran the length of the house extremely close to the roof. It is thought that high level of EMF can make people feel nauseous, dizzy and even hallucinate. Once we were finally down from the attic and standing on the relatively safe wood of the landing, we were led into our final location that we'd be allowed to investigate, and that was the last bedroom, the witch's room. As you walk past the ram head guarding the outside of the room, on the left of the room was a bed covered in a green blanket with a very suspect stain in the centre, which John claims to be the urine of a ghost cat or a dog that was said to haunt the room. On the bed were a group of cuddly toys that are said to move on their own. To the right of the door was a large dining table that stood by a cracked spider web ridden window that light struggled to break through. Candlesticks and more trinkets covered the table obscuring the window even more. A large armchair had been placed in front of another fireplace which was covered with yet more statues. He told us that a witch was seen to haunt this room who was extremely vicious and wanted to hurt people. He was very excited to tell us that he got a local priest to come to the house and try and cleanse it of evil, and it was in the witch's room that he'd had his experience. It is said that he was attacked and refused to enter the building and still refuses to to this day. He told us that a paranormal investigator took a picture from the outside of the building up to the window of the witch's room and captured what looks like a child looking out of the window. I'm yet to see a copy of this picture to verify it for myself. With the tour and stories finally finished, we were able to begin our investigation. During the investigation, I really wanted to conduct an experiment. So prior to the investigation, we conducted a vast amount of research into the RAM to make sure we knew exactly what kind of things we were dealing with within the building. A lot of the information that we found on the internet pointed us towards the history of the area and the paranormal experiences encountered within the building, as well as other paranormal groups' experiences. However, we decided that, that wasn't enough for us, so we contacted someone at the Bristol University Archaeological Department to ask them about the bones that were found on the site. They told us that the bones that were found were not human bones, but that of animal and possibly livestock. They also mentioned that the site of the pagan burial ground was more likely to be underneath the house next door and not actually underneath the ram. We also spoke to a couple of members from the Wooten Underedge Historical Society and asked them about the supposed tunnel that ran from the main bar fireplace to the church in town and they told me that there was no tunnel that ever ran from the ram to the church. While the ancient ram is an incredible building and is one of the oldest buildings in Wooten Underedge, there's a lot of information that has either been fabricated, elaborated or just mixed up. So during the investigation I withheld all that information from the other team. I told my team but I hadn't told the Cornish Paranormal Group. And when we got to the half time of the investigation we all sat down to have something to eat together, I then revealed all the information. So prior to me revealing all the information, all the questions that they were asking were all around the supposed pagan burial ground, supposed children being found and the supposed murders that had taken place within the ram. When I explained all the information was actually false and all the information that we had acquired, suddenly the investigation took a completely different turn and all the questions that were asked were nothing to do with child bones or murders, they were to do with the current situation that the, the investigators were finding themselves in. I find this extremely interesting because it just goes to show that knowledge of a location can really impact on how you investigate 
And that was really what the experiment was all about, to see exactly how people would react to a location that they've heard so much about, to see if that would have any influence on their investigating styles, and it appeared to have so. But as a paranormal investigator who was quite sceptical of a lot of things, following our investigation, which didn't really yield any substantial evidence, I mean, we got a few voices and we got a few strange sounds, but other than that, we didn't get any conclusive evidence. It would be very difficult for me to say that the ram is haunted. It is, however, a lovely old building that is steeped in history and is well deserving of its grade 2 title. I have investigated the ram twice since this time, and each time I have not witnessed anything that is conclusive enough for me to say that it's haunted. Yes, people have had their own personal experiences and I've had my own personal experiences, but I've never had that one piece of evidence to prove to me that the ram is actually haunted. I'm really, really keen to head back to the ram and try and re replicate some of the personal experiences that I've had. And that would be something that we are gonna to plan to do in the future. As I talk to you with this podcast, at the moment, I cannot categorically say that the ancient ram inn is haunted. Now, you don't have to take my say-so on that. You can head to the Ram Inn yourself and you can ask to spend the evening there and they will be more than happy to allow you to do so for a price. Unfortunately, John Humphreys passed away a couple of years ago and the Ram was left to his daughter, Caroline, who lovingly has started to restore the building. And with the pictures that I've seen, the Ram itself looks absolutely stunning inside so far and they've done a lot of work to it. So if you ever want a chance to go and see the Ram Inn in all its glory, then you can do. You can check out our previous investigation at the Ancient Ram Inn by heading to the Paranormal Guys YouTube page and checking out our investigation there to get an idea of what the Ram is. But guys, until next time, thank you very much for listening. I'll see you again. Bye-bye. Did you know that you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube? You can find us on all podcasting platforms from Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Remember to leave us a review, it will help us out massively and it will make it a lot easier for other listeners to find us. Do you like what you're hearing? Do you want to give us some feedback? Or do you have a topic that you want us to discuss? then let us know by emailing us at paranormalguys@outlook.com. Thanks for all the support, and we look forward to bringing you even more great content here on the Paranormal Guys podcast.